0: Welcome to Fountain Springs Online. At Fountain Springs, we believe in showing unconditional love, irrational generosity, and being unwavering in our mission to show people who Jesus is. We are one church in multiple locations that exist to help grow and guide your relationship with Jesus. We are so glad you've joined us today, and we hope that we can encourage, challenge, and support you in your walk with Jesus. Feel free to join us this coming weekend at any of our locations and services, or call or email us so we can help you in any way. We are so glad that you've joined us today at Fountain Springs Online. Now let's turn our attention to this week's message.
1: Well, this has been a fun series because uh, I think every one of us has friends. If you don't, uh, welcome to a good place to find a friend. Uh, we've been doing a series on, on what, what friendship should look like. Uh, from, from the friends you, you should have in your life to the friend you should be. Now, <laughs> uh, if you haven't been a part of the series, I've been warning everybody for this weekend. If you weren't, you're like, oh no, I picked this one. Oh, don't, don't be. Uh, What do you do? When friendship in your life is more about drama than actually just enjoying the relationship? What do you do when that friend, and maybe we should use that term loosely, uh, that person in your life, that acquaintance, uh, that coworker, worker that person in your life that is just flat out hurting your day, where you hate spending time with them. Maybe you get a text from them and you loathe it. Maybe when they call, you purposefully are like, oh. maybe when you see them, you try to ignore them, or maybe you work with them or live with them, and you're not sure exactly what to do yet. Uh, we've been talking about friendship and how to fix some of the stuff. So if you missed it all, here's, here's the basic premise. Friendship is powerful, okay? It's powerful. And all the good comes with that. I mean, if you've ever had a good friendship, you know exactly, yes, yes. You've had a bad moment, bad day, circumstances you didn't like going through and you had a friend there. Or, or maybe you were looking at a new venture in life and your friends were very supportive of that. You know, yeah, that's powerful. But if you flip it, it's also powerful. Take you to the wrong place. Make you feel the wrong things. Make you even change internally where your understanding, your principles, your system of morality, all of that can get twisted and manipulated and just fall apart because of a toxic friend, that's what I want to talk about. What do you do if you have not good friends, but toxic friends, the ones that are doing damage to you and around you? And we're like, I don't know what to do." Now Now for those of you who are like, I'm a Christian. We love everybody, and we pretend to enjoy to be around certain people. Is that the approach? Well, let's talk about it. So toxic, if you don't know what I mean by toxic, here's the definition according to the dictionary. It's poisonous, okay? So if you follow this, this is what it will tell you about poison and all that. Likely to cause significant loss to the holder. I mean, we're in South Dakota. Should you decide to go pick up a rattlesnake in the wrong way, significant loss to the holder. You, we get this. What if we had friendships, relationships, that the more you spend time together, the more conversations that you have, what if instead of it just being a bad experience, it's worse than that? What if it's poisonous to you? What if it's actually destroying you? And you might say, well, I think it's just bad. No, what if it's doing damage? The Bible speaks to this. Let me show you. There's tons of places, but I'll show you some. Don't be fooled. Bad company, I think we can call this toxic friends, toxic acquaintances, okay, bad company corrupts good character. If you don't read this correctly, you'll miss this. This is saying that if you currently have good character, if you currently even have good direction on life, on you know who you are, you love God, follow God, you've got this good setup. If you spend a lot of time with the wrong people, according to the Bible, according to God himself, you're in danger. (laughs) Now, I know some of us, we're hard-headed. I'm not pointing to anybody or looking directly at anybody. But I'm telling you, there are many of us who think we are not susceptible to toxic people. You're like, you know what? I'm pretty strong myself. I don't don't own what they say about me or about others. I am not going to become my whatever parents. I'm not going to become about you. You're like, no, I'm not going to. I'm going to tell you every one of us is susceptible to a poisonous person. I know the Bible says it, but you may not already be online and on track with believing what the Bible says. So I wanted to uh, bring you into a social experiment. Uh, They've been done multiple times, but this one in particular was captured on video. Oh, I love technology. And there was a social experiment done in a waiting room that will help you and I understand that you and I are susceptible to the people around us. Take a look.
0: We set up a hidden camera experiment to see if this woman would stand up at the sound of this tone, simply because everyone else is. You might be thinking you'd never go along with this, or would you? After just three beeps, and without knowing why she's doing it, this woman is now conforming perfectly to the group. But what happens if we take the group away?
1: Elaine, please.
0: Okay, now she's alone, the crowd is gone, and nobody is watching her, except our hidden cameras. What do you think she'll do? She's now conforming to the rules of the group without them even being there. Now watch what happens when we introduce another outsider who doesn't know the rules. I was doing it, so i thought i was supposed to think she'll teach the new guy what to do <laughs> we kept the cameras rolling as more unsuspecting patients arrived What began as a random rule for this woman has now become the social norm for everyone in this waiting room.
1: Now, some of you are like, I still wouldn't do it, David. But, but let's, let's have a mature conversation. Maybe you and I, you know, we think good about ourselves, it's good. I find it fascinating about culture that some of us, we have low self-esteem in certain areas, and we might have too high of esteem in others. Where we think that others do not influence us. I remember giving that argument to my parents. Like, hey, I'm not going to do, pff, I'm going to tell them about Jesus. And, and many of us use excuses, and I'm telling you, you and I are susceptible to the people around us. And if you spend all of your time, or your, the majority of your time with toxic people, it's going to leak into your life. And you might become poisonous yourself. Let me show you other places in the Bible that speak to this. Uh, avoid godless chatter. Most of us like, well, of course, yeah, good. And if you're like, what's godless chatter? That's, that's talking about people and things and moments that do not honor God in a way that honors God. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. In other words, when you indulge in it, when you begin to engage it, your friends, whoever's around you begin to gu- guide yourself into it, allow yourself to be a part of it, you end up falling even deeper and deeper and deeper. But, but this, this part of the Bible amps it up in the next verse. I love this part. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Now, I did some research on gangrene. I'm not going to show you what I found Um, Some of you might be doing that right now. You're you're searching it, and I would advise you not to do that. Uh, It's not pretty. (laughs) Gangrene. By by the way, uh, maybe you have a a different translation in your Bible, and it doesn't say gangrene. It might say cancer. The original language, the original writer actually put gangrene. I'm serious. Put gangrene there because it it, it happened for a long time. It's a horrible, horrible moment in someone's life if you ever get it. Give you some history. For those of you... Who just love history? My wife loves history. The US Civil War. Most of us know that history, and and we got all different kinds of stories. I I spent a year in South Carolina, and that's where I learned about the Civil War. I was a junior in high school, and I learned that it wasn't a war, and the North got lucky, according to South Carolina history. Uh, I don't think it was accurate. But here's what I know about the US Civil War a lot of people. A lot of people died. It's one of the worst moments of our entire heritage as Americans. And most of us think about that war in this, that if you died, you died from a bullet, or you died from a cannonball, you died from a sword, a knife. But actually, the number one killer in the U.S. Civil War was gangrene. Uh, What happened was they weren't prepared and didn't know how to treat the wounded soldiers. And the way they treated them often led to gangrene. It's destructive, cuts off the blood flow and begins to just literally make your body deteriorate. Does that not sound like a toxic relationship where all of a sudden something occurs and the blood flow is cut off and it begins to die and it is painful? See, if if you and I don't lean in to the relationships that we have, not just the good ones, if we don't lean into the ones that are toxic and poisonous to us i'm going to tell you that you and i are in danger let me show you another one i think this helps if the godly give in to the wicked it's like polluting a fountain or muddying a spring and what i have found is most of us start off with good intentions we care about that person, right? There's potential there, but then it goes bad, and we don't know what to do, and so we don't know how to have the tough conversations, and we don't even know how to identify it, and we ourselves become toxic. In fact, I'm just gonna make an observation. I think many of us are aware of the people in our lives that are not healthy. In fact, you might have already been making your own bullet list already in your head. You're like, oh, I'm going to share this with so-and-so, and, and you're, you're going through your list. Some of you are thinking, family members, by the way, be careful who you nudge throughout the sermon. Uh, you might create a bit of a problem. The, what if you and I got intentional about who's in our life and what's toxic, so I want to help you name it. If you've never named the actual toxic, poisonous people in your life, let me help you get some uh, descriptions to it. So I'll start off with three of them, the, the first one being very simple. I Yep. Church should never be boring. (laughs) The wrecking ball. (laughs) I wonder if you have that friend in your life that every conversation is just destruction. Whenever you spend time with him, whenever he was in a texting conversation, you don't even have to be with him. And all of a sudden, things get destroyed. People, situations, circumstances. Let me give you some some descriptions. I, I think this helps. If you want to know if, if you have this person in your life or if maybe you're the person. Uh, judgmental. There, there's always a quick jump to that person not being a good person. Judgmental. Okay, critical. Every experience is just bad. Gossip. I just kind of want to say it and stay there for a little bit. I would say gossip is one of those things, especially in a church format, that can do a lot of damage. If you don't know what that is, it's as simple as having a conversation about another person, and that other person can't hear that conversation. And it's not a positive one. Now I know sometimes we blanket like, but I was just offering a prayer request. Because I love that person. And oftentimes, though, we trash people, and the intentions behind it are pretty uh, toxic. Uh, constant complaining. It's the friend, hey, how was your day? Oh, it's just horrible. Next day, horrible. Always horrible, always bad, always complaining. Most of us have uh, multiple uh, wrecking balls in our life. I'm just trying to help you get names. Let's move on to another one the dictator. The one that is in constant demand of control. In fact, let me give you a list. I think the list helped. Controlling. Always has to be in control of every situation, every decision. And sometimes this goes bad. Uh, Overbearing. Do not nudge anyone. Demanding their way is truly the only way. Always. And then we get into really toxic behavior, like manipulating. In fact, if you want to know some of the dictators in our lives, they're the abusers. They're the person in your life that you feel unsafe with and are unsafe with. They will leverage hurting you physically and verbally to keep you in control as they think it. And I'm telling you, if we don't talk about this stuff, if we don't actually put it on the table and say, what do we do about the toxic people in our life? You know what tends to happen is we just let it stay there. And we start to think that being a good Christian is just letting it stay there, and we think it's going to work itself out. But it doesn't. Let me tell you just a third one, what we'll call the snake charmer. (laughs) The one that somehow gets you to do things and to places that you should never do or go. I'll show you the list. Things you don't want to do, places you shouldn't go, conversations you shouldn't have, and compromises you shouldn't make. It's the person that tempts you. Remember that, friend? The person that gets you to go to a place or do a certain thing or say a certain thing about another person tempts you and is constantly egging you on and you find yourself in this moment finally going, how in the world did I end up here? Some of us have friends that All they do in our life is tempt us. Now, that's three. We could spend hours picking apart our multiple ones, different ones, and add to it. But I want to land on the biggest issue of a toxic friend. It's toxic friends distract you from God's best. If you've ever thought about this, read in your Bible where following Jesus, being a part of his his plan for our life, there's a a fullness to it, living life to the full. And I would tell you that we have friends, there's people in our lives that often distract us from what God intended to be the best thing in our life. Do you have, and don't answer out loud, I just want you thinking through this, do you have that friend or that acquaintance, that coworker, that, that schoolmate, that person in your life that is currently distracting you consistently from God's best? Sometimes it is the boyfriend or girlfriend leading you down a path that you never wanted to go down. You love them, and you love God, and there arises this tension, and you're distracted. It's the friend that constantly talks about other people with you, and and you're not talking about the good things in life, making each other better. You're talking about other people all the time. You're distracted. And the reason that we don't often have this conversation, especially in church, because we're afraid We're legitimately afraid because we know that Jesus loves us in our mess, and we live in a culture that says love anyone and everyone, which is correct, but we don't know how to love anyone and everyone. And so we just buy into what culture will say is, well, loving anyone and everyone is accepting whatever they bring to the table and saying, okay. Where I don't see that in the Bible So before we take this conversation further, before we dive into what do we do about these toxic people, I need and want to bring up something very distinct. Every toxic person in your life is loved by God. We cannot progress without landing here first. I know that many of us, if not all of us, have people in our lives that do things they shouldn't do, treat us in ways they never should treat us, and they're just they're, they're toxic, poisonous people. But before we get at, well, what do we do, David? What do we do? What do we do? we got to know that that person is loved by God, and their behavior does not change that love. He made them, loves them, and cares about them. Jesus died for people who make stupid choices and good choices. (laughs) So before we go further, I don't want to be misunderstood and I don't want you to miss out. Whoever you work with, um, whoever you go to school with, whoever you live with, (laughs) whoever you spend time with, God loves them. And so when we go into how to deal with these relationships, we need to go in with that posture that God loves them, so what do we do? It's very simple, but difficult. Let me show it to you. Set healthy boundaries. And I'm not sure that we're as good at doing this as we are identifying the need to do it. Set healthy boundaries. But many of us didn't grow up around that, and and can I just say that setting healthy boundaries is extremely difficult? Like having the tough conversations and making the tough decisions, oh, I hate it. If you're anything like me that sometimes battles that whole, I don't want to hurt their feelings. Some of you love to hurt people's feelings. I don't like that. And you begin to get in this, like, I don't know what to say or how to say it. So let's walk it this way. When it comes to setting healthy boundaries, the one we talk about all the time, Jesus, he set healthy boundaries. He gave his example after example of incredibly healthy boundaries. So Let me show you something, and then we'll have to chomp through it. Uh, Jesus loved everyone equally, but he did not treat everyone equally. Let's just keep it here. I'm going to talk about this. Because some are like, what? Because we live in a world now that loving everyone equally means treating everyone exactly the same. So i got to walk this out. Jesus would often go to a town where he loved everyone. I mean, loved absolutely everyone. He would kind of yell at some of them, call them hypocrites, and but, but he loved them all. But if you've never thought about this, with Jesus, he would go to a town and there would be someone who was blind and he would heal their blindness. They would literally go from never seeing, not seeing, to seeing. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine just never seeing and all of a sudden you do, or he would heal people who, had never walked before, ever. And he would heal them and they would jump up and be like, What in the world? This is amazing. But are you aware that Jesus did not heal every single sick person on the planet? Does that mean that he did not love them? Oh, I would say not at all. He loved everyone, he loves them more than you and I love them. Do you know that Jesus only picked 12 disciples? I mean, you might, well, why not 15? Why not 30? Why not, I mean, millions? Like, how, why, why did he land on, on 12? Why just 12? And I'm sure there were some other people that could have made the cut. I mean, come on, Judas. He didn't pan out. Someone could have been better. And so when he goes to pick people, you know that some people did not get picked. I hope that's locked into your mind 12, yes, but not 13, 14, 15. He picked 12 and he spent exclusive time with the 12. Jesus, his own life, what we read. You read boundaries all the time. He set boundaries all over. He loved everyone. But that's not the same as saying everyone gets everything. He had a harsh conversation with Peter about boundaries. I'll I'll show it to you. Uh, But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord. This will never happen to you, someone being killed. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. Now, some of you taking notes right now, like that's the boundary, got it. And you're going to go say that to the friend, hey, Satan, move on. <laughs> I'd Highly recommend that's not how you lead that conversation. Just don't. Um, Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. But you have to acknowledge that's a boundary. He just drew a line. You, you are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Get behind me. In other words, you are gangrene to me right now. Get away from me. He set a boundary. Jesus would often retreat. He would say, hey, I'm going to go off by myself, and you can't go with me draw a line. Is that the kind of person that you are? Many times we don't draw lines because we think it's a sign of not loving. I would say it could be the flip side. Perhaps drawing the line is the act of love. So if we're not sure what boundary is, let me give you some more context. A boundary is all about what you're willing to allow. And Jesus made these decisions consistently. He would say things, do things regarding what he would allow and not allow. Sometimes he would draw the line and yell at someone. And sometimes he would just simply lead by example. A boundary is all about what you're willing to allow. I wonder what you've been willing to allow. What have you allowed some of the relationships in your life to do to you? Now, I'm not hating because I've been there. <laughs> and if you're not sure what that actually looks like, what does it really look like to put down a boundary of what you won't allow? Let me give you some examples. One is this it's a basic statement. I won't let you talk to me or treat me that way. I, I know it sounds elementary, but if you'd be willing to take it from elementary and say, how often have you said this to someone who you should have said it to? And most of us would be like, Mm-mm, I just blocked them from my phone. I just stopped talking to them. I just left them, and I, can I say there's a better way? It's a more difficult way, but there's a better way that maybe we need to have more conversations. When when someone comes up to you and they're the wrecking ball and they got something to tell you about someone else, perhaps it's like, hey, I'm not gonna let you talk about that person to me. You wanna watch a weird face happen? Right then and there. They're gonna be like, and that's not mean, unless you say Satan at the end of it. (laughs) Then, Then I think you've taken the Bible out of context. What I'm telling you, what if someone did come up to you, wrecking ball person, and they're trashing another person? What if you just brought it up like, hey, they're not here, so I'm not going to have this conversation with you? Boundary, right? What if it is the dictator, and they're they're saying things to you that are despicable? They're trashing you verbally. What if you said, I'm not going to let you talk to me that way? Close the door. Go to a friend's house. See, sometimes we have to have those tough ones. The snake charmer, what if you don't go to where they're asking you to go to? And if they won't be your friend because you won't go there or do that, they're not a friend then. This statement can be profound if you apply it as a boundary. Let me show you another one. It's the boundary of available versus accessible. Oh, (laughs) Because we have these things called cell phones or these devices that allow really anyone to access us like crazy, we've interpreted that all friendships require that we're available 24-7, 365 days. Don't raise your hand. In fact, let's just look straight when I ask you this. Do you have a friend that gets angry with you when you do not respond immediately? Don't look anywhere. <laughs> if you have that friend, I would tell you that's a toxic friend. If you are that friend, you are being toxic. Let's go hypothetical. Let's say that there's a, a pastor. Totally hypothetical here. <laughs> Let's say that there's a pastor and and uh, maybe you were raised that the pastor would be available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. I would say that's unhealthy. It's unhealthy for that pastor and their family and for you. Now, accessibility is a whole other issue. Knowing how to reach or when to reach. Oh, that's that's great, great. Your friends should know how to reach you, but availability has become a demand. And if you have a friend who's requiring both all the time, that's toxic. If you have family members from afar, I'm telling you, we've got to deal with the toxic. Perhaps it's, it's a boundary, it's a line that you might be brave enough with God's help to address. Now, now some of you are like, you're already further than I am on this. You're going, David, uh, I've, I've said you can't say that to me. Uh, you can't do that to me. I I have made sure that I don't answer the phone call at two and three and four and five a.m. I don't do it. you, You set the boundaries and they don't listen. Well, here's the difficult conversation. If boundaries aren't respected, the relationship can't exist. Now, let's be clear, disclaimer time. I'm not talking about marriage. I'm not talking about parenting. This is a friendship series. So do not use this as permission to go home and say, we're getting divorced. Do not use this as permission to kick your kid out of the house. We're talking about friends. And I would tell you, if boundaries aren't respected, the relationship can't exist. And just so we're clear, uh, I didn't come up with this on my own and making this up and like, you know this just is a way for me to get people out of my life. No, no, the Bible, the Bible, God's word Gives us this wisdom. It's in a book called Titus, which, what a name for a child. (laughs) If people are causing divisions among you, give a first and second warning. I'm reading this slow on purpose. After that, have nothing more to do with them People like that have turned away from the truth and their own sins condemn them. There's other examples where Jesus talked to his disciples about this. If they reject you and the the good news, then dust your sandals off was the terminology. Now here's what I know. Sometimes we hear a pastor say things and we're like, finally, permission. Permission to, to make some decisions that I would say are ungodly. I thought we needed to pick this apart so we're clear on what this actually says. So there are cut-off requirements regarding a friendship. One is first warning, which should happen in a conversation, by the way. Not this, boy, I just thought in my head, next time they do that, it's over. No, this is where you actually have a conversation face-to-face, and you say, hey, when you constantly do this or you constantly say that, that needs to stop. Because that's doing things to me that I don't like. You have the conversation face to face. But if you caught the verse, it said, uh, if if they don't listen, second warning. Conversation, not like, well, I've already talked to them once, so I'm going to send them an email about all of my emotions. I would, don't do that. In fact, here's what I would tell you. The Bible talks about this. Bring someone with you that is healthy. Have them be a part of the conversation that will help the conversation stay healthy. But have the conversation. If you cut a relationship off without two warnings, conversations being involved in both of them, I would tell you that is not the way Jesus taught us. And in fact, the third one is there and it's all throughout the whole New Testament at least. There should always be an open door for repentance. Sometimes we think, I cut them off they're dead to me, I'm never gonna talk to them again, they can never change. No, I would say if you cut a relationship off and you have no more to do with them, if they were to contact you and say, I'm sorry, what I did, what I said was wrong, will you forgive me? I think you should offer forgiveness to them. It doesn't mean the relationship returns back to what it used to be, but forgiveness protects you from bitterness. So if you missed them, let me remind you of all three. The the wrecking ball, friend. Or maybe that's you. The dictator. Maybe you have been controlling and manipulating the situation and people. Maybe you've been tempting people around you. Leading them where they shouldn't go. I would tell you, if you don't deal with this, you yourself will become, as the Bible said, muddy. Toxic. And I think the most appropriate place for us to land this whole conversation is to return to the motive and the heart that we bring into dealing a toxic relationship and understanding it. I'll show it to you. So now, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. If you want to know what your motivation is when you talk to this friend, coworker, person you go to school with, whomever it is, and you go to talk to them, and you're going to be like, you're going to have to put down a boundary, and you're going to have to say, I, I don't want you to say this around me, I don't want you to talk about this, I don't want you to keep doing this, and then you're going to put down the boundary. Your motivation, your heart behind it, is not to make them hurt. It's to love them. Just as I have loved you, which Jesus loves us unconditionally but with boundaries. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. My fear is that many of us have misinterpreted what the Bible has said, and we've cut people off out of spite, not love. And so if you read any article, most folks who don't go to church call you and I in church judgmental. That needs to change and it changes often in the tensions of life where you've got a friendship that is going in a bad place and if you want to follow Christ, one of the best ways is set up healthy boundaries. So it's my belief that you and I need the power of God to do this because you're talking about some awkward, tense conversations that some might not take well, some might. We need to go to God about this. So I'd like to pray For those of you who are brave enough to have these conversations, I wanna pray for you. So would you bow your heads? God, in this, I would call, sensitive conversation, God, we have people that you're aware of that have become poisonous to us. We've allowed that. And God, we need your help to no longer allow that. So we ask in the name of your son Jesus that you would help us in these conversations, that you would give us wisdom and discernment to know what to say and how to say it. God, I even pray, will you you protect us as we have these conversations? Lord, I pray for those who are the toxic one. Please soften their heart. Help them to be open to a conversation. God, help us to love people the way you loved us. It is powerful. Thank you for that example. Thank you for loving us. We love you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.